listening to Adoption, Fostering and Tea from the UK's LGBT plus adoption and fostering charity, New Family Social. Find us at newfamilysocial.org.uk. I'm Tor, and this week we're going to be having a cup of tea with Jasmine, who's going to talk to us about fostering. Hi, Jasmine. Hi there, Tor. Thank you so much for joining us. It's really lovely to speak to you. You're the first foster carer that we've had on our podcast, so you're a trailblazer. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Can you tell me how long you've been fostering and what brought you to it? Yeah, sure. So we were approved foster carers in 2018, so two years. So what made you want to foster in the first place? Did you consider other routes to caring for children or was that always the thing that you wanted? I was thinking about this actually the other day and and I had a little memory of when I was when I was younger somebody asked me if I wanted children and and I I said yeah I want I want 15 children and um, (laughs) they were like wow and I we had some IVF treatment and unfortunately that was unsuccessful during the, the the IVF process I did egg donation so half the eggs that were collected went to another lady whose eggs were not working for herself and she actually became pregnant, which was fantastic, but ours was not successful. But all along during the IVF process, regardless of us having our own birth children, me and my wife had always agreed that we would foster. It's just something that, well, me personally really, really wanted to do. So that's that's kind of how it came about. So you were always driven to that, but how was it to leave behind the possibility of having birth children and move to foster caring? How did you make that change? It was it was quite difficult. We the, the the process was that we in 2011 we first raised an inquiry to our local authority about fostering and having discussions with my wife. We then went down the route of just, just you know trying for our, for birth children. So in 2012, I think we started IVF treatment. We were told by the local authority that we couldn't progress with the assessment for fostering at the same time as IVF and they wanted us to be you know through that journey and whatever the outcome was then to revisit them. During our IVF journey uh, we had some some frozen eggs but we were told that we weren't allowed to use them because the sperm donor that we were using was being investigated for some kind of genetic problem with other children that had been born by his sperm. So we weren't allowed to use those eggs. So we revisited the local authority and told them that we were looking to start fostering. Our, you know, our IVF journey was over. We were unsuccessful, but we still want to foster. And then we'd started the process and we were nearly through to going to panel. And then out of, a, out of the blue, we got a letter from the hospital to say that that sperm donor is in the clear and actually we can use the eggs. And I think we had five left. So we're right at the point of nearly completing our fostering process. And then this came out of the blue. So it was a bit of a shock. But because I already had these eggs, you know, readily available, I just wanted that to give them, you know, that last chance of maybe a possibility that we could have a birth child. Um, So we had to stop the uh, fostering process while we had another go at IVF. Again, it was unsuccessful. And they wanted us to wait, I think it was about six months after before starting up the process again, just to make sure that we was in the right headspace and, you know, that we had dealt with any feelings that had come out of being unsuccessful. So all in all, from our first ever inquiry to becoming foster carers, it was seven years. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. 
So with that final IVF attempt, did that lay things to rest for you or did it open up a can of worms of all that hope and all that loss again? Yeah, it definitely gave us closure, I think. It, we, I ha- When that letter was received, I kind of thought, oh, this is a, a message sent that this time it's going to be successful. And I did kind of get my hopes up a bit. But then when it wasn't, I, I had already, we had already agreed that this, this these would be the final goes. And so, yeah, it, it definitely gave me closure and, and my head was in a space where I was ready to focus on going back to, to the fostering process. The local authority did say that we would have to kind of give it about six months just to ensure that we was in the right headspace. And, and also we had some counselling um, just to make sure that, that, you know, we were doing everything for the right reasons as well, which was fantastic. So your journey to fostering was really long. Yes. Yeah, it was seven years um, it, from, from our first inquiry in 2011 for to us getting approved in 2018 so yeah it was it was a seven-year process wow (laughs) the most prepared foster carers ever (laughs) (laughs) absolutely so can you tell me about your first placement how it happened how it was to receive the phone call or the email or whatever you know what happened in that first one yeah so our first placement came to us quite quickly I think it was within a fortnight of us being approved the placements team gave us a call um, one afternoon um, or, or gave myself a call and gave me a kind of a very high level of the child kind of age, the school that they go to, some behaviours and a little bit of family history. And that was on the Wednesday. And I think he arrived on the on the Friday of that week. So we had a couple only a couple of days to prepare. And yeah, and then he arrived on the Friday evening. That's really fast. Did you have a sense of how long that was likely to be for? So we when we were first approved, we were approved as short-term carers so short-term can be anything from one night six months to a maximum of two years so in our heads that this lad would be with us you know for a maximum of two years we were still awaiting a full care order so at the time he was only on an interim care order so parents birth parents were being assessed as to whether he would go back to them so it would be no longer than two years But going from, you know, no child in your home within a couple of days to potentially a child in your home for two years, it's not like you're signing up for six weeks, is it? It's still potentially a substantial period of time. How did it feel to receive that child and, you know, become the carers? It was it was difficult because because we don't have birth children of our own. You know, we're not parents. We have been around children quite a lot. We've got a lot of nieces and nephews um, and we play a big part in their lives. So we're used to having children around per se but not 24 7 living in our home and when 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 the young lad arrived he it, it wasn't a kind of he was very reluctant to even come into the house um, and he tried to abscond from the get-go as soon as the social worker opened the car door he legged it so it was quite nice. difficult that even that first night he was kind of bribed to come in with a with a bacon sandwich <laughs> but by the next morning he it, everything just felt right and, and he settled in well and we just got on tremendously fantastic little, little boy and and I'm now still you know still in contact with this young lad he, he has remained in care long-term care um, but we're still in contact and and you know we just had a really lovely time with him despite <laughs> despite lots of absconding and kind of dangerous behaviors he still because he was the, our first placement he holds a very very big part of my heart oh that's really lovely that you cared about him so 
much. How long was he with you? He was with us about six or seven months. Right, so a long period of time, long enough to get to know him well and to really, yeah, yeah like you say, work your way into each other's hearts. It's, it's interesting, though, from the outside to be thrown into that with a child who is presenting challenges from day one to you. And when you were quite inexperienced, and I guess sometimes from the outside, people look in on adoption and fostering and you hear the horror stories far more than you hear the good bits. Yeah. So can you tell us what some of the good bits were and what made it worth balancing up the challenges? Absolutely. So so a lot of the, the good bits are just the, the, the small touches like, uh, you know, when they just come up and give you a hug or, you know, they say something nice to you or just out of the blue, they, they'll just say, you know, I, I really like living here. I really love, you know, you guys or giving them experiences that they've never had before. So, so this first lad, he um, had never been on an aeroplane and... To, to be able to take him on a plane and just see his face, you know, and, and give him those first experiences. I think that's that's really what, what we love to do, just provide that safe environment for them where they can just be a child again and not have to worry about the things that they have done, you know, everything that they've been through. Yeah, that's that must be quite difficult. And if the child, I guess, has come to you from the birth family, so nowhere else in between then I suppose you're receiving them at an incredibly difficult point of their life, probably after something fairly big has just happened or something at home has reached boiling point. Yeah, yeah. We, we see we see a lot of trauma. Um, I think out of the seven children that we've looked after, I think three or four of them have come to us from just being removed from birth home. So yeah, it's a really traumatic time for them. And it's um, we we just try and be as therapeutic as possible and, and just be there for them and, and like you know just provide a safe loving environment and be open and honest with them and do everything that we can just to make life a little bit easier for them what's the range of ages of children that you've looked after so the youngest child that we've had um is six and the oldest uh that we've had is 16. so again a really big range how do you deal with the practicalities of that like preparing your house for that range of children we normally get a good couple of days from from the first from the phone call of them giving us high level detail and then I'll chat with um Kate about you know this child and then I'll and then I'll just start to get the bedroom ready so I will take out anything that's kind of too young books wise and or alternatively take out the ones that are too old for for children and just put kind of bits and bobs in there that are more age related to them the room is quite um neutral We've, we have boys and girls so the room the room is quite neutral and then I'll just add little bits and bobs to, to make it more gender related as we know what, what placement we're getting. And what do you do that first night when they arrive? How do you make it safe for them and welcoming for them but not overwhelming? We try and do a, a bit of an icebreaker so each child is, is different it, de- it depends what they're into and their age really but we'll generally uh, sit down and, and have a meal or, or just sit and have a chat about what they like what they don't like. We've got a welcome to the family book so we'll go through that and talk about ourselves the pets um, show them around the house and kind of talk about the things that we like to do the hobbies that we have and then that opens them up to what they like to do so the first night is is a lot about getting getting to know each other but we try not to overwhelm them too much because if they've been to some children have come from 
another foster family and some of them have been moved around quite a lot so it can be quite overwhelming we just kind of let them lead lead how things you know how they want things to go sometimes they just want to sit in their room sometimes they want to join with us um so each child is really different on the first night yes i I expect it's really hard and especially if they have come straight from their birth family home um to be sort of plonked into that i can't i can't imagine being moved in that way and then trying to you know talk with the new family get to know them a bit it must be really demanding for them absolutely and the social workers are so good they they normally stay you know for for a while when they when they're dropping off a child they'll stay and we'll do they will be involved in the discussions around what you know what they like and what they don't like so they've got that face that they've known for some time and the social workers tend not to not to just drop them off and go which is which is really nice for the child absolutely so what's been your shortest placement and your longest placement shortest placement was one night and we just took this um, young lady as an emergency so we just had her for for the one night and then the longest placement that we've had I think for seven months so again a big range within that I think one of the things that people always ask about in fostering and I'm sure you've been asked millions of times is the thing about saying goodbye and moving that child on and by definition in short-term foster care that's the inevitability of what's going to happen I just wonder how how you were prepared for that and then how that's been some goodbyes have been quite traumatic for me and the child so we've had some where uh, what one instance a child has been removed by the police but we when we've got planned moves we kind of pack up their things together you know we'll give them a little gift and give them our contact details and, and ask them if they want to stay in touch but yeah I when I have to say goodbye I'm, I'm I get I get too attached to the children. My, my wife's more headstrong, but I'm I'm raw with my heart. So I get very attached and I can kind of shut down a little bit for a couple of days. Once they leave their bedroom door, I can't open it for probably a week or more. So that, that door gets shut. Yeah, and I, I yeah, I have a little bit of self-care for myself. But I'm, yeah, the, the, the goodbyes are, are quite difficult for me. How do you cope with that then? How do you, I mean, are you able to tell yourself that the decision that's been made is right for them? And I guess sometimes you might not be sure that the decision that's been made is right for them. How do you live with those questions? I think that when I feel the decision is not right, you know, that they either shouldn't be going home or shouldn't be going to wherever they're moving on it, it's it is quite difficult but you kind of have no powers this is the decision that the court has made or you know or, or social services has made and and in the end it's not about me it's about what's right for the child and I just hope and pray that the decisions that are made turn out to be the right ones of course absolutely do you feel like you're treated as a fellow professional in the process or do you feel that your status is different to that in my experience I, I've always felt like I've been treated like a professional my opinions have always been listened to um I, you know I've never Never have been overruled by a decision that I've made. So I, I feel, yeah, on a par with the social workers, the teachers, or you know, the professionals. I know that there are some carers that may not necessarily feel that way, but but me myself, I I, I feel really privileged, and I, I do feel that we are. I can't think of the word, but I, I feel that we are treated um, with respect for, for for the job that we do. And hearing about some of these really difficult placements, it, it's hard to imagine really opening your home and 
your family to such difficulties how have you coped when things have been really hard you know can you talk us through a time that it has been and what you did and how you coped I mean we've had children that abscond quite a lot so we've had situations where we you know we've had to stay up all night for a child that's absconded you know where they've gone to um, and the process is you ring the police and you uh, notify the social worker and we kind of got into a routine that the, you know we would know the the script from the police you know the questions that they're going to ask off by heart and then the next day the police would be in our lounge and and you know they became regular visitors I the the situations that that we've had that we've gone through have been very 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 difficult at times but you know what when I when I look back now they seem insignificant but at the time you feel like you are alone you feel like you know this isn't working I can't do this anymore you know day in day out it's it's not for me but actually every single situation is just gives us more experiences and it's you know it's all a learning curve and we just remain impartial we know what these children are going through and we know why you know they they act the way they do and you just have to be as therapeutic as possible um, with these children it's not their fault and they some of them just can't deal with the emotions that they're going through how do you and Kate look after each other through that so what we tend to do is in between each placement we'll we'll take a little bit of time out and maybe go to a a spa or um, we'll book something nice for, for us to do just us no kids where we can just have a bit of self-care Kate is very very protective of me and when we've been when we've had children that have been violent towards me one specific child was very violent towards me she found it very difficult to see someone hitting me and and almost gave an ultimatum of we need to either stop fostering or or you know the child needs to go to another placement but um, me being me and my my heart was in you know I really wanted to care for this child and do everything that I could um, and I, I can see the the reasoning behind behaviours. So we yeah we do take we do take out time out in between placements just to build ourselves back up and fill our own cups. And we get we get we can get regular respite if needed. You know if if, if there's anything specific. So we go to a certain festival each year. We don't take a child and, and we do get respite for that. That's kind of a non-negotiable. That we've been going to this festival for many years um, and we we will continue to do that. And then that just gives us that little bit of us time and then. We'll we're ready and you know our cups are filled and we're ready to go again for, for whatever whatever that brings to us wow <laughs> would you only ever take one child at once or could you take more than one no we've had siblings we we had I think they were our second placement we had siblings so yeah we we would have more than one current current child is going to be a long term so is is six at the moment but will stay with us until she's at least 18 and and potentially when she is settled we'll look to foster another child so yeah we, we can have more than one child we do like when we have one child we can give them full focus and sometimes that that really works for foster children that they can have you know carers really focused on them and giving them all the therapeutic care that they need so the child that you've got is going to stay with you until adulthood yes legal adulthood anyway that's really different then from what you've done to this point how did you change to that what what were you thinking about to make that decision 
So we we got the phone call to say that this child needs a new placement. Current carer had some health issues and she needed a new placement. And we were either going to be a bridging placement, so, uh, you know, a short term until they found a long term, or would we consider long term? And actually, we sat down and we talked about this and we said, all the children that we've had before, we've had them for a very short amount of time. We really feel like we, we could invest, if we did a long term, we could invest in this child for for a longer period of time and maybe make more of a difference because it's difficult when you have them for such a short term you know therapeutic care takes a lot of time so you can't necessarily have a a big impact in six months nine months but we thought you know a longer term child that we can really see the impact of the therapeutic care so we will have to go back to panel and be assessed as long-term carers we need to be matched with with the child as well so all the signs at the moment are suggesting that that we will be matched and and she will stay long term with us that sounds lovely to have that time to to work with her and and as I guess that for you that to make that emotional investment knowing that you don't have to then pull back in the immediate future absolutely yeah yeah we're, we're looking forward to all the things that we that we can see with this child you know with her growing up and yeah we're, we're really looking forward to to having her in, her in our lives long term I think that's one of the things when people talk about that whether to consider adoption or fostering I think lots of people don't realize that you can foster a child into adulthood and for people who want a child throughout their childhood actually fostering is an option I think people don't always realize that absolutely I mean we always we did discuss fostering versus adoption and and kind of the outcome of that was if we fostered we can help more children if we adopt it might be one two or three you know but fostering we can help multiple children and and that was always the the reasoning behind us fostering rather than adopting I think that's really lovely and I can I can see that reasoning definitely how is your extended family um with you and your friends what's your support network around you and what do they think of what you're doing they don't friends and family don't quite understand it when you're when you're not a foster carer you, you can't of don't understand the behaviors of these children they just see them as kind of naughty children and, and why why are you allowing this child to speak to you like that or do this that and the other they, they don't get it as much but we have a massive support network you know sisters my mum is fantastic and we've got a huge family around us that are, that are always there should we need them so yeah they, they might not necessarily understand it as much you know we have to warn them about a lot of things but yeah they're always there to support us and given the amount of the range of experience experience that you've had and the amount of experience you've had what do you wish you'd known at the start and then if someone's listening to this who's thinking oh I don't know could fostering be for me or if they're right at the start of their journey what do they need to know that they probably don't know yet so nothing can prepare you for fostering <laughs> we did we did uh, a three-day skills to fostering course which you know it lightly touched on on different bits of fostering I think therapeutic care isn't talked about enough prior to people becoming foster carers I think it's so important these children are not the same as uh, you know all other birth children they they really need therapeutic care and and for the carer to understand the reasoning behind certain behaviors so I think that yeah I think part of the process every single carer should go on a, a therapeutic parenting course before being approved. It's I did my therapeutic 12-week course, I think, a year in, and I wish that I'd been able to have done that before we got approved so that I was armed with the, the tools for therapeutic care. It sounds like that's really crucial. Definitely, most definitely. Yeah. So would you recommend it? It sounds like it's a bumpy road. Whenever I get asked, would I recommend fostering, my answer changes constantly. It, all, it depends on the day and 
what I, you know, what I've <laughs> experienced. Generally, I would say to anyone, you know, if you've got it in your heart and if you've got the space in your home, then absolutely foster. There's so many children out there that for no fault of their own are, are having to go through life, you know, of neglect and, and, you know, not starting their life the way that they should. So if you can, then I would 100% recommend fostering to anyone. That's brilliant. Thank you so much for talking to us. I'd like to thank my guest today, Jasmine. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter at LGBT Adopt Foster and on Facebook, search New Family Social or One Word. Visit our website at newfamilysocial.org.uk. Adoption, Fostering and Tea is produced by New Family Social. The presenter was me, Tor Doherty, with music from Matt Doherty. The producer was John Jenkins. We'll be back next week with more guests. Thank you.